and welcome to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran. Our DNA tells the story of our genetic makeup. We're finding new ways to tell that story, but sometimes the facts are out of order. Dr. Janine Labello is a pathologist and lab director at Ashion Analytics, a subsidiary of TGen. Dr. Labello, welcome to TGen Talks. Good morning. Thanks for having me. What is Ashion? Ashion Analytics is a clinical laboratory. Um, we are housed here in the headquarters of TGen. Um, we actually started as an internal CLIA laboratory for TGen. And I guess best to explain what a CLIA laboratory is. Um, so a CLIA laboratory is a clinical laboratory. So uh, the government created a basically a set of rules many, many years ago to make sure that when a laboratory in a hospital or a clinic, uh, when they run test, we'll call it test A, that when hospital A runs test A and then hospital B runs test B, you get the same exact result um, within a standard deviation. So you have continuity of test results. So you never have to worry that if you sent your sample to A versus B, you'd get a different answer. You should get the same answer. So tumor profiling is what our specialty test is. How is Cheyenne associated with TGen? We are wholly owned subsidiary of TGen, so we're kind of a branch of TGen. We are partially governed by TGen, owned by TGen, but we run uh, pretty independently, though there are board members of who are TGen officials who oversee our operation. Why was Ashion Analytics created? So Ashion Analytics was created initially to, as the internal CLIA laboratory uh, for TGen to oversee and validate research results on the TGen research side um, for uh, clinical trials and protocols that, that TGen was involved in, like Stand Up to Cancer. That was our one of our bigger grants uh, that had come in. So we would do tumor testing to confirm results that came out of the research laboratories. Um, And then we have been spun out into a more broader purpose. Um, We've sequenced samples from all over the world at this point, whether they're part of other clinical trials or just individual patients who have been sent to us from their oncologists. What types of cancers is the Cheyenne focused on? We actually do all cancers, um, both solid tumor and what are called liquid cancers or hematologically based cancers like leukemias, lymphomas, um, myelodysplastic syndromes, which are kind of like pre-malignant syndromes of the bone marrow. We run the gamut of where if a tumor occurs somewhere, we can sequence it. What benefits does a Cheyenne have for doctors? Our test is called the Gem Extra test. What that will provide for a clinician is it really tells the doctor the tumor's story. And so I always kind of give an analogy of, of a tumor uh, having a story. Your DNA makes up your body's story. A tumor, a cancerous tumor or a benign tumor, is a kind of a misprint of that story that you're born with. So it's a mis-edit. Sometimes the words that make up the story, which your DNA, uh, your genes, we could think of those as words. Sometimes those genes, um, they get misspelled. Letters get rearranged, letters get lost. Sometimes those words are duplicated. So you can have a word the same time, many times in a row. Those words can be wholly lost. So it's like the gene didn't even, doesn't even there anymore. And you can get two words, like a contraction. You can get two words or two genes that part of each word kind of snaps together and can actually drive um, a tumor. So I always give the analogy. It's really like a storybook. What our test does is actually we sequence the DNA that you're born with alongside of the story of your tumor. 
and all the words that match uh, from the uh, story that you're, you know, your your birth story, all those words that are the same, we subtract those out because a majority of the time they are not a driving event in, in the tumor's development. What we're left with is all the misedits, the misspelled words, the duplicated words. We'll see where words are missing. Um, see those quote unquote contraction words or translocations. Um, and we filter those out into a report and we look and see through what is actionable. So a lot of these mutations now have drugs or therapies that are um, shown to be effective uh, based on their biochemical pathway um, and that can be effective in shutting that part of the misprinted word down, kind of in correcting it. We'll just call it a correction. And we put this all in one report. Then the doctor can see that, okay, well, here's all our misedited words. Here are the therapies that are, um, according to the FDA, can or sometimes may not be beneficial, uh, that are known not to be beneficial. We put those on there as well. And we also match the patients to clinical trials. If the if there is failure of therapy um, or if there's a rare event, um, we can look to um, the clinical trials that are available in the United States. Um, and so these are all kind of neatly packaged into one report. Um, we also sequence the RNA. So your RNA is what your DNA is trying to tell your body to make, um, ultimately into a protein. Um, but we also look at fusions. So the, again, this is, these are kind of the RNA version of contractions, of contracted words, two words put together. And they link up just such that they one kind of powers the other to produce this driving protein or a fusion protein. So all of this is contained in the report. It's a it can be a lot, uh, depending on the tumor type. We also provide with the drugs that may be attached with these misprinted words or genes. We have drug evidence to show the clinician, here's where in clinical trials it has shown that these drugs are effective or in preclinical work. We do then a listing of the clinical trials and then all in one comprehensive report. So it's fantastic for patients with rare diseases, advanced cancers, uh, failure of therapy, um, and uh, helps with treatment planning um, for these for these complicated patients. At what point in life do these misedits happen? Huh, that's a good question. Are um, we born with them? Some people are. Some people are actually born that in their story they have an automatic misedit. They're just a misediting in a gene. Um, there's a couple genes like if you everybody. Most people have heard about BRCA, right? So they're BRCA one and two genes. So those are your. Everybody has a BRCA gene. Everybody is born with BRCA1 and BRCA2. Now, what the spelling of that gene is can be different from person to person. Some of those spellings are completely benign, does not affect the function of the gene whatsoever. Um, for other people, that misedit or that misspelling will potentially drive cancer development down the line, typically the BRCA patients, or they tend to be, so a BRCA breast cancer patients tend to be younger women. Um, that does occur in men as well. Um, so it can happen in men or women. So a lot of people read about, oh, I have the BRCA gene. Everybody has a BRCA gene. It's just, how is it spelled? Some people, unfortunately, a small uh, subpopulation of people, that misspelling is detrimental to their DNA and, and, and um, makes them... Um, more likely to develop either breast or ovarian cancer. And we're also seeing it now. There's linking it to prostate cancer, um, pancreatic cancer. So with more and more research, we're seeing a, a, a broader connection to these misspelled BRCAs than just breast and ovarian cancer. But for now, it's still recommended that young women 
of childbearing age whose mothers have breast cancer are tested for the certain spelling of the BRCA, Correct. right? What about males? Males should be tested as well. Um, I think any uh, human, <laughs> male or female, if you've had a first-degree relative die of um, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, and, and in men, um, there there are researches that show... Um, that there are bro- there's a BRCA relationship, BRCA mutations in prostate cancer, um, as well as pancreatic cancer. Um, so males should be tested as well. I and mean, you have a first-degree relative who developed cancer at a young age um, when, you know, of those particular four subtypes, breast, uh, ovarian, pancreatic, prostate. Uh, males should be tested as well. So we're talking about someone whose daughter is tested, whose mother died of breast cancer, who has three male siblings. Those male siblings should be tested and may have no idea. If mom had breast cancer and then has children, they should all be tested, no matter what their sex is. Because if mom is a known carrier of a BRCA mutation, she could have passed that along to her children, no matter whether they're a male or female child. It doesn't strike me as being widely known that males should be tested for BRCA. Males should be tested for BRCA, if, especially if they had a mother or a father who died of breast, pancreatic, or prostate. The pancreatic and prostate I don't think is as widely followed yet if they had a mother who died of breast or ovarian cancer, or especially if they had a father who died of breast cancer, that that male should be tested. Why isn't this more widely known? I think some of it is still, particularly for the prostate and pancreatic, still emerging data. But I think statistically women, maybe because it affects two organs, breast or ovarian and a male, and it just, and it also in males tends to doesn't happen as earlier uh, as it does in females, you know, typically your BRCA patients in females, you, you see them at a younger age. So that sh- now is going to raise a red flag to an oncologist or an OBGYN who happens to have done a breast exam and finds a lump. Um, so that, that maybe, you know, we should, you know, obviously get you tested. And that's more standard of care. Uh, male breast cancer is more rare than female cancer. Um, but I just don't think it's as talked about. What are the success rates at a Cheyenne? If we measure success by feedback, we're doing quite well. We have been growing exponentially month to month over the past year. Adoption of our testing nationally uh, is growing. We're working with a greater number of sites, and we've maintained all of those relationships. So we have a lot of clinicians who love working with us. We love working with them because only we can really improve optimally when we're tweaking and, and making more efficient the things that doctors need, while obviously keeping within our guidelines. How does a Cheyenne Analytics help a doctor create a more effective treatment program for a patient? For our test, um, it's actually a very comprehensive, uh, what we call a, a tumor profiling test. We look at every single gene that a patient is born with. There are a lot of different tests out on the market that are CLIA certified clinical tests for cancer profiling. They look at, you know, a a few dozen genes that are cancer related, um, several hundred genes that are cancer related. We look at all 19,300 plus genes that you're born with. Um, And it's all of the coding regions. Uh, Your DNA is made up of really two specific regions, your coding and your non-coding, your exons and your introns. Um, Your exons are your coding. So those are, that's kind of the, I guess I could say the meat and potatoes of your DNA. And your intronic regions, I just kind of use to go back to my my literary uh, analogy. They're kind of like punctuation. You can still kind of read the sentence sometimes without a comma or a period, um, but it's helpful to have them there. We sequence all of the coding regions of all 
genes that you're born with. And then we do actually look at some of those intronic or punctuation regions for um, the, those contraction words that we were talking about earlier. Um, they'll break. So they're really breaks in the DNA and then they re reconnect. So we have to be able to cover those non-coding regions because sometimes the breaks can happen there. We want to be able to see that. We really get a full picture of what's going on in, in this patient's tumor. So our test is not only just about planning and treatment for the now, it's also about future and discovery for cancer care. So really, we have, we have created and brought to, to uh, the public something that is fully comprehensive uh, uh, for cancer care in the now and for the future. You mentioned you're growing exponentially, and it sounds like the results are good. Where are you five years from now? I hope we're still doing what we're doing today in that we're bringing hope um, and results to patients. We will always be, and our, our, one of our missions is to always be on the cutting edge of testing. What we do is very cutting edge. There are not a lot of laboratories that do what we do on our scale um, and to the, the depth that we provide for uh, clinicians and their patients. And one of the things I think that's really special about Ashion is our culture and our people. Um, we really have a wonderful working environment. So not only are we doing something really pretty awesome every day, the people around as a group really like each other. And we love what we do every day. And I, we just try to reinforce that and who we hire and how character just plays a big role in, in bringing on team members. So I hope that pleasantry and that warmth and that, that um, cohesiveness of the group remains. It's really hard to do. We're you know, in the you know, dozens of people now rather than a dozen people. Um, but so far, we're, we've, been, we've been doing pretty well. It's exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Best of luck. Thanks. Dr. Janine Labello is the lab director of Ashion Analytics. To hear more about Dr. Labello's research and hear other episodes, visit tgen.org slash tgentalks. Tgen is a subsidiary of City of Hope. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Moran.